What's up, everybody? Scott Wardwell here, a.k.a. the best voice in the game, alongside Hot Rod Williams and Muhammad Ali. This is Garbage Time, presented by Semi-Pro. Let's get right into the news, shall we, boys? Let's do it. Yeah, sure. Sean, are you Muhammad Ali or am I? I'm Muhammad Ali because I didn't know who the other person was. I'll be Hot Rod. That's okay. I'll take Hot Rod Williams. Joe Flacco signs with the Jets. The terms of the deal are not quite clear yet at the time of this recording, but you could assume that he's going to be Sam Darnold's backup. What do you What do you guys make of that? Well, last season we saw what Josh McCown was for this team. He was that veteran presence that was really just well. Josh Sam McCown Darnold. actually played for the Eagles. Yeah, that was the, the Eagles, or, Ryan. He was two years. He was with the Jets when Sam Darnold was there. He was a leader for Sam Darnold. He helped mentor Sam Darnold. Uh, whether it was two years ago or last year. It semantics. was two years ago. But over, they're just trying to get a new guy. They're just trying to get a new veteran presence to help out Sam Darnold. And we know Joe Flacco's elite. So he's just going to overall bring up the talent <laughs> level of this team. Because Joe Flacco is just flat out the best quarterback in football. And if anyone disagrees, then they clearly haven't seen my season simulation video where Joe Flacco won MVP. Well, I don't think the season simulation video has dropped yet, but that should be dropping tomorrow on the Semi-Pro YouTube channel. So that's And that's why everyone's still sleeping. Everyone's still sleeping because it hasn't dropped yet. But Joe Flacco is elite, and he's said it himself multiple times. Look, I'm not a fan of the Jets, not a fan of Adam Gase, and I'm definitely not a fan of Joe Flacco. With all that being said, a backup quarterback is a very important position in this league. And the Jets last year, I don't remember exactly who their backup was, but when Sam Darnold went out, things went very poorly. And then when Sam Darnold came back, the Jets actually strung together some wins and um, actually worse in their draft pick. But they started to get some wins at the end of the season when they had Sam Darnold back. And it's not only the Jets. I mean, you see how much worse these teams get when – their uh, their starting quarterback goes down. So I think it's it's a good move by the Jets. Joe Flacco clearly isn't a starting caliber quarterback anymore. But he the reality is he started a season last year for a Broncos team that was in a lot of games. He wasn't good last year, but he, he led a team. He was a starting quarterback on a team that didn't have the best record, but was in a lot of those games, had a lot of close losses. So he's at least competent. And I think that's all you need at the backup quarterback position. I think it's more valuable than people will give it credit for. I am a fan of the Jets, and I am a fan of Sam Darnold. I mean, I don't think they're going to make a bunch of noise this season in terms of the wins and losses column. I have them in that 7-9, and 9-7 range. I think they can fall anywhere in there. Adam Gates is another story. I think they will have to overcome that for the most part. He is a good offensive-minded head coach, but... As far as his personality and his leadership goes, he is very much lacking there. That's very evident. But, I mean, yeah, Sean, like you said, Joe Flacco is obviously not a starting caliber quarterback anymore. But he is, I mean, probably in that first tier of backup quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, he's not great, but he's a serviceable guy and a veteran who's been in a couple different systems. He can come in, run your offense to the best of his ability. I like the signing for the Jets. It's a good backup quarterback. Now, is he the guy you want mentoring as Sam Darnold? Probably not, but I think Sam is probably moving out of that phase where he needs to be mentored. I actually am predicting that Sam Darnold is going to have a breakout season this year. Yeah, don't sleep on the Jets in the AFC East. The, Tom Brady's gone. The, the Jets 
could be the division winners. They're, they don't have a bad roster a receiver at all. On that they team. don't. Name a receiver on their team. Denzel Mims. Le'Veon oh Bell. Oh, gosh. Jameson Crowder. Oh, we just need three Denzel pass Mims. catchers. Ryan Griffin, I think. I think he's and the that guy with the E last name, who is just kind of a big, physical, fast guy, but can't really actually Inunwa. catch passes Casey or run Quincy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Chris Chris Herndon. Those are all pass catchers that the and Jets have. I think Denzel and Mims will work out well for him. I think they, I think he will too. But just look at the AFC East. Brady's gone. I think that the winner of this division, I don't. I think it might top out at ten and six. I could see the Bills maybe going eleven and five, but. I don't see a team really breaking out of the pack in this division. I think it might be a three-team race. Yeah. And it might be a race for nine wins. And the Jets, either they're they in that get category the last, for sure. Yeah, they could get the last wild card spot. There's seven wild card spots this year. Or they could win the division. Don't sleep no on the way. Jets. They're a playoff contender. Oh, my goodness. No, they, I'm, I'm not saying they will make the playoffs. They're by no means a lock. But, I mean, they, they have the talent and the quarterback, in my opinion, to put themselves in a good position this season. I just don't think their roster or their coach. Uh, I like Sam Darnold, but the roster and the coach I don't think are there at all. And I cringed when Scott said they're maybe a 9-17. and 17, But now Ryan's saying they can sneak into the wild card. I think the Jets are... Far and away, nine and seven is sneaking into Look, the wild I'm, card. There's ten. There's no, seven uh, wild yeah. card. There's seven okay, playoffs. Fair spots. enough. They're they're about the same thing that you two said, but I'm cringing either way because I think this is a six win team, and I think they're. I I think I mean I'm a Dolphins homer, but I I think they're pretty clearly the worst team in the AFC East right now. Whoa, 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 whoa! That is whoa. egregious. Yeah, I, I hope you mean egregious. the Dolphins are the worst. No, team in the, the Dolphins AFC got East so clearly. much better this offseason. They added so many pieces. <laughs> all right, all I right. think we... all four teams are pretty even in the yeah. AFC East. I... I think that the Jets, I think they improved from last year. And Sam Darnold, he was out with mono at the start of the year and came back and still led them to a seven and nine record. I think it's a better team. I think nine and seven is a realistic ceiling for this team uh, that they could possibly reach. And I don't really see them being anywhere below 6-10 and 10 at the very least. I see them being pretty average, what Scott said, and that puts them in this sort of contending range. Absolutely. I mean, we can agree to disagree on that. I mean, Sean obviously has the beer goggles on with the Dolphins. I mean, I don't think they're going to be anything special. I think the AFC East is a three-team team race they're, this season. Eight eight. Dolphins will go 8-8. Eight eight. Oh, I don't know about that. Last year, <laughs> we'll I like the agree Dolphins a little bit more than you do, Scott. La- I like well, the Dolphins a little bit more. I, I tend to be more optimistic about teams than pessimistic, but I, I like the Dolphins quite a bit. I'm a realist. I think they're, they're a year Can away. Can I give a quick Chua take on the Dolphins? is a year away. Okay. Sure, The Sean. Dolphins had an absolutely egregious roster last year where all the players quit on the team and... Like, they just didn't have any talent. They Like, all the good players quit on the team. Minka Fitzpatrick, Kenyon Drake, and they had to trade away all those guys. And yet the Dolphins, despite all of that, and despite their terrible start, won, like, five out of their last six games last year and ended up still salvaging. Yeah, great coaching in Miami. Yeah, great coaching. And, yeah, just I think it shows the coaching, the fact that all the turmoil they were going through and how bad that roster was. And literally you couldn't name five players on the Dolphins if you tried last year. And yet they still beat the Patriots. They had a huge win over the Patriots at the very end of the year, which I think had a huge role on the Patriots losing and the Kansas City Chiefs ended, ending up winning the Super Bowl because it earned the Chiefs a bye. 
Um, so with all that being said, talk about a domino effect. Yeah, huge domino effect. And then the Dolphins go this this offseason and not only get Tua and a couple other big players in the draft, but they sign all sorts of guys: Byron Jones, um, Kyle Van Noy, um, Jordan Howard. I mean, they they signed all sorts of free agents with all the cap space. I think they're going to be a much better team next year. I think they're eight and eight. I'm not really you know big on any of those free agent signings, to be honest. Like, I think Van Noy was just mm. a little bit overpaid. I like Van Noy, but they overpaid You don't like him. the Byron Jones signing? And no, I don't like of... that. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I don't like the Byron Jones signing. Obviously, Byron Jones is a good quarterback. As an Eagles fan, I got to watch him two times a year at least. Like, I mean, he's he's a good corner. But I can, if I need to, I can pull up a list of the most recent big name corner signings with their with those big contracts and the history just doesn't look great and especially the Miami Dolphins recent history of signing big name free agents to big contracts it just hasn't been great so i need to see it before i believe it you don't like Brent Grimes or Namdi Asamoah? Come on, Scott, you're sleeping on him. <laughs> don't ever mention Namdi Asamoah to me ever again. Eagles dream team. <laughs> no. I was so hyped up. I was unbelievably excited for that team. You know what isn't a good look for the Dolphins? Devontae Parker getting in a Instagram yep. or Twitter beef with Michael Thomas. Bad look. Like, Michael on, Thomas was lane. the loser in that beef. Michael Thomas was the loser there. Yeah, I mean, both of them were ultimately losers. Michael Thomas was the bigger loser, but come on. Just, like, stay in your lane. Both, like, like, Michael Thomas is clearly the better player right now. Just... Let him be the better player. Why are you chatting shit, Devontae Parker? No, I mean, I agree. All right, so some more news. We already talked a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys and Byron Jones. The Cowboys are trying to get another secondary player. They are zeroing in on Jamal Adams. This is a piece that the Cowboys really want, but the Jets don't want to give up. This is a one-sided conversation. The Jets don't want to move on from Jamal Adams. They've said it multiple times that... Jamal Adams is there to stay, and the Cowboys just really like the guy, and they keep trying to bring him in, and it just won't work because you have to fit both parties when you're making a trade, and until Jamal Adams is a free agent, he's probably going to be a Jet because the Jets don't want to get rid of him. I mean, why would you want to give him up? He's one of the elite defensive players in the league at any position. And the Jets feel like they can make a playoff push this season. Like you and I discussed, Ryan, like this team is not a bad team. They feel like they are absolutely in contention to win this division. I don't understand why they would want to be sellers when you have a quarterback who is, you know, entering a big year contract-wise. You want to put the best team around him as possible. But honestly, from Dallas's perspective, I don't really get it either. They have a lot of pieces that they're going to have to shovel out money to, including one that we'll get to in just a second. But I don't understand the logic of wanting to add another player who you immediately have to pay because it just takes money away from your other core guys who you already owe so much to. Yeah, I mean, and you look at their safeties. They added HaHa Clinton-Dix during the offseason. They have Xavier Woods. Is that the greatest secondary tandem? No, but... It's still very solid. What Jerry Jones is probably trying to do is he's just trying to shell and trade away some draft picks. And, and they're going to try to be like the Yankees of of football, really, and just 
accumulate players and just work. run from the cap as far as fast as they can until it eventually catches up to them and they have to reset. But right now, I, to me, it really just seems like they're just going to keep trying to accumulate players until the cap just catches up to them so much where they can't accumulate any more. And then they'll have to deal with that when they get to it. But it really just seems like they want to be consistent contenders and, and not really rebuild the team the traditional way. And they can do that because of the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm afraid the Cowboys are kind of taking a Rams approach right now because Jerry Jones is getting old. He wants to win, but they're taking an approach where instead of quietly picking up some of these guys that are really going to help your team, and I, I think they've done that some in some ways. I think they had some good picks in the later part of the draft. But they're, they're, they're mainly trying to pick up a lot of big-name guys who are eventually going to cost them a lot of money. And even if, like for C.D. Lamb, example, for example, they already had two great receivers, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, but they still pick up C.D. Lamb, so now they have, even, they have even more mouths to feed. They're trying to pick up Jamal Adams from the Jets. I mean, they're just trying to, like, uh, set fireworks with this team, and I'm not sure that's the right approach, yeah. but considering Jerry Jones's age, I think he's not really afraid to spend some money and get some big names in Dallas. I mean, spend money to make money. The whole Jerry Jones being old and wanting to win thing is totally understandable. But at the same time, this is nothing new with Jerry Jones. We've been seeing this same thing with him since he fired, uh, since he fired Jimmy Johnson. Like, the guy's not afraid to spend money. He's going to bring as many free agents in as he can and just wants to accumulate talent. But I'm a firm believer that that is not the way to win in the NFL. It can work in the MLB. I think that's the easiest sport to do it in, where you can just spend money and make yourself a contender. In the NBA, it can work to an extent, but you still need to find the guys who kind of fit your system. But in the NFL, where there is 21 guys who start for your team, I think, or 22 rather, sorry, I, can't I was gonna say that. I was like that's not how math works. <laughs> <laughs> in the NFL, where there's 22 guys who start for your team, it is ultra important to get guys who actually mesh together. A nice balance of highly paid guys and lowly paid guys, veterans and younger guys who can mesh together and uh, and execute your system to the highest ability. And the Cowboys have not shown the ability in a long, long time to be able to do that. I understand they've gotten a lot of new free agent signings. The roster looks nice. I will admit, they have one of the best rosters in the NFL on paper, but I'm honestly not scared of them at all. I, I know what we get from Dallas in this regime. It's dysfunctional. The coaching hire was not good, in my That's opinion, with Mike McCarthy. About, like, do you think it's still going to be dysfunctional uh, since they just got rid of Jason Garrett? But Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't think Jason Garrett was the problem. I, I, think, I think Jerry Jones replaced Jason Garrett with another Jason Garrett. It's just a guy who will listen to whatever Jerry says and be a clone. Mike McCarthy is obviously that same way. We heard the stories of how Mike McCarthy was spending a night at Jerry Jones's house before he signed him. And you, know, you can just tell by the way McCarthy's acting in press conferences and interviews that he is just here to do whatever Jerry says. I don't think this was any kind of big change for Dallas letting letting Garrett walk for Mike McCarthy. Okay, and can we use this to transition to the Dak thing? Because the fact yeah. that they offered Smooth him, shot. thank you, since they the fact that they offered him that much money to be the richest quarterback in the history of the NFL after, what, three seasons of work? 
Um, yeah. and average work. So that's bad. That's a bad look four. on the Cowboys. Four. Four. four seasons. Okay, it's a bad look on the Cowboys. But then the fact that Dak passed that up, that's a horrible look too. <laughs> Who does Dak think he is? Does he think he's some guy named Lamar I, Mahomes? Like he's not even in the same, not even in the same class as those guys. Not even close. Um, and yet he's not even the best quarterback in his division. He might not even not be the best quarterback on his team anymore. He might not. I mean, Andy <laughs> Dalton. We'll see what he can do with. Uh, hey, don't forget about Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Oh he might be God. the third best quarterback. The on pride team. of Boise State. The pride of Boise State. But it's egregious. Absolutely egregious. Yeah, the contract controversy has just been all over the place, and the biggest discrepancy is between this four and fifth year. And Dak wants a fourth-year deal. I think it has something to do with the CBA that's coming up, and he can restructure the deal or something like that. It's it's ridiculous. Dak wants four years. Cowboys want five. And that's really where the biggest disconnect is coming from. And there was also reports coming out earlier today that somehow the Cowboys and Dak were declining that the contract happened and the not but the contract happened a long time ago. It was weird. This saga has been ridiculous. I honestly hate it to this point. I don't want to follow it anymore. That's how frustrated I am with it. But it's all agreed thing. The Cowboys want Dak for as long as possible because he's their franchise player. He's their franchise quarterback. Dak wants to hit the free agent market while he's still in his prime so that he can accumulate more money, sign for another long-term deal. It's all this back and forth that, I mean, it matters because it's Dak's career and it's the Cowboys' future, but just, it's it's ridiculous at this point. We've seen it with the Cowboys before. We saw it with Zeke. We saw it with Amari Cooper. We're seeing it with Demarcus Lawrence. And now we're seeing it with Dak. Like, can the Cowboys just get a contract right and just sign someone? It doesn't seem like it's that hard for 31 other teams in the league. It's ridiculous. I mean... It's honestly comical in my opinion. I was laying in bed in the morning yesterday when I woke up to that news, a Bleacher Report notification on my phone, and in my room by myself at like 8.30 a.m., I was cracking up, just like laughing out loud. Like, it is ridiculous, first of all, that the Cowboys would even offer that contract, and ridiculous that Dak would decline it. I think he's absolutely stupid. And not only does he not want the money, but he's always talking about how he's so happy that he gets to play for America's team and he loves being a Dallas Cowboy, then take the contract, dude. You're not that good. You are a middle-tier quarterback. I mean, he's probably in the 10 to 15 range, in my opinion. He's not bad by any means. He's just a good game-managing guy who can make some nice throws. Like, there's nothing wrong with Dak as a quarterback, but he doesn't deserve that money. He should have taken the deal. The, the saga has just gone on for way, way too long at this point, and it really could have ended with that contract offer. It's just greed from Dak Prescott's camp, like, just take the deal, man. That's all I got to say. Just take the deal. Don't don't oversell yourself. You're not that great. You're not a Mahomes. You're not a Lamar Jackson. The biggest winners from this are going to end up being Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, those guys. Because now if Dak signs a deal like that, their contracts are going to be otherworldly. Well, then Patrick Mahomes... And that's what happens every time. That's what happens every time with quarterbacks. It's just the next man up, whoever's the highest paid quarterback in the league will not be the highest paid quarterback in the next month because every single team needs a quarterback and every single team wants to pay it. It's 
it's a cycle that will just continue to happen. And Patrick Mahomes might completely break it. He might get just paid the entire salary cap, but (laughs) it's ridiculous. And you'd think that Dak, you'd think that the acquisition of Andy Dalton would light some fire to Dak and maybe pressure him a little bit to sign to sign his contract and, and confirm that he's the guy because I feel like Andy Dalton, we're talking about good backups. I feel like that's as good of a backup as there is in the NFL right now. I know he hasn't been great, but he was stuck in dysfunction in Cincinnati all of those years. And, and for that reason, I feel like Dak might look at that and say, ooh, all right, I have this guy right behind me. Let me take the money and not be so greedy. But clearly he's being very greedy and clearly he's very confident. And we'll see how that suits him. All right, so in some more news, a sad turn and a sport turn. Legendary Jazz head coach Jerry Sloan, who, you know, has obviously kind of changed the game of basketball. He kind of started this whole analytics thing. He was definitely one of the founders of that. Coached some great Jazz teams in the late 90s. He passed away today. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have much to say about it, but I did want to get that in. I mean, it's just a sad day for the sports world. I was never a huge fan of the, those Jazz teams. I mean, I've made my thoughts on Carl Malone very clear, but he was a very innovative head coach, and it's always sad to see a legend pass away like that. Absolutely, and I never really knew, uh, I never really knew much about '90s basketball, '80s basketball until the Last Dance. Really, the Last Dance taught me a ton about those eras and seeing those jazz teams, they looked like they were, they were pretty, pretty good. I mean, John Stockton, Carl Malone, both those guys in the highlights that they were showing in the last dance. I mean, it looked like that was one hell of a team and it's a bummer. They couldn't get the job done. I, I, I feel bad for all parties on the jazz that they ended up losing to Jordan both years and could never win a title because John Stockton certainly deserved it. And, and Scott, I'm not sure what your, your thoughts are on Carl Malone, but, from my opinion, I mean, he's a he's a bad guy as well. I mean, he he he's really good. He, I mean, that guy can play basketball, and, and he's certainly one of the the greatest players, probably a top fifteen player all time. And then you have Jerry Sloan, a legendary coach, and they can never get the job done. So I, I guess that's really my thought. Just you know, to see the last dance and then get this news, it's definitely definitely a tough day. I just yeah, realized yeah. that my I made my thoughts on Carl Malone clear on another semi-pro podcast, The Art of the Culture, so I, I'm not going to get into it out of respect to Jerry Sloan today. I'm a big Carl Malone hater, though, but yeah, I agree with what you said, Sean. Yeah, I agree, too. Jerry Sloan, legendary head coach. It's always tough when a legendary sports figure passes away. It always sort of puts things into perspective a little bit. Jerry Sloan, uh, may he rest in peace, but... It's just an overall tragedy whenever anyone passes away, especially someone who was so beloved by a franchise and a fan base. Uh, Shifting into a little bit more negative basketball news in case we weren't already down enough, Patrick Ewing was just diagnosed with the coronavirus. So it it doesn't seem like a great day in basketball right now. Not a great year. I mean... It's definitely not unexpected when someone gets coronavirus at this point. I mean, it's it's definitely a part of our world, NBA player, athlete, or not. Um, you know, there was a time when this first started where it was big news whenever someone famous had come down with it, but at this point, it's kind of like, 
I mean, I hate to say this because it sounds insensitive, but people are going to get it. I mean, you know, that's just the world we live in right now. People are going to come down with this until there's a cure. Wish Patrick Ewing the best, and I hope he can make it through this. Um, he looked, in his last dance interviews, he looked like he was in decent shape considering his age and, you know, his his overall frame and size that he's just naturally born with. He looks like he's in pretty good shape, so um, I wish him the best, and I'm sure he'll be fun. Yeah, what an awful year for the sport of basketball. I mean, we just talked about Jerry Sloan passing away, and um, obviously Kobe, and um, obviously the former commissioner. Um, why am I forgetting his name? David Stern. David Stern, of course. David Stern. Um, and then just the season, because of the coronavirus, all these guys getting the coronavirus and the season being canceled for that. It's just been an awful year. 2020 has not treated the NBA very well. All right, let's play a game called Fact or Fiction. The name kind of speaks for itself. I'm going to tell you guys something, and we will decide whether it is fact or fiction. We're going to do NBA edition of Fact or Fiction today. We'll start off with this. Fact or Fiction, Kawhi wins another ring before his career is over. Fact. Kawhi is one of the best players in basketball. He fits any team. He's a two-way player. Kawhi is really built for championships. He will win a championship, whether it's as a first option or a second option, before his career is over. That, I don't think, is... That, that I think, is pretty much a no-brainer. Kawhi, I think, is... Out of all the players left in the NBA, I think if you were to pick one, I think Kawhi would be the guy you would pick to be a surefire lock to win a next championship. Not LeBron, not Giannis. I think it's Kawhi. I agree. Fact. I'm a big Kawhi fan. I love his game. I love his mantra. I love his personality. I just think he's built to be a winner in the NBA. This might be a hot take, but I don't only think he wins one more, but... And, you know, you guys can argue this all you want because this would put him in the legendary status, but he's already got two rings. I would not be surprised, and I think he's 29 years 28. old. 28? Yep. So, you know, I would not be surprised if he reaches that four or five range at all. The question is what team it's going to be with, because I agree with you guys. I think the Clippers. I think the you Clippers think is his You think he's with the Clippers long-term? Because that contract yeah, doesn't, do. doesn't have a ton of time left, and I think this whole coronavirus thing has is definitely a huge bummer for the Clippers, especially because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard didn't sign these long-term contracts. They don't have a ton of time left, so... Um, yeah, they but didn't that's have the best just kind of the way year. it goes I mean, with stars in the NBA. Yeah, Guys like to sign short. the short, you know, one year at a time so, deals just to kind of gauge it. I mean, Michael Jordan did that in Chicago. I think the Clippers have. Yeah, a really but if good you team. look at the Clippers, they mortgaged their entire future to get Paul George. If you're acting selfishly as Kawhi, you build the team that you want for the two years, and then you split to a team that has a future, and just leave the Clippers in the dust. That would be <laughs> the best case scenario for Kawhi. So, if he's acting selfishly, which you kind of think he might, he might not stay in L.A. and he might go to a different team. He might he, he might stay in L.A. For, a, for the Lakers, but he might not be a Clipper for much longer. I, I disagree. I think Kawhi made a very calculated move going to the Clippers. I mean, that's a whole different kind of conversation whether he's going to stay in L.A. 
But, I mean, just my basic thoughts are he made a very well-calculated move. He gets to team up with a very similar player, but also a player that complements him very well in Paul George. Just from what we saw in the regular season, they played really well together, and the chemistry was great. He's got a great head coach, a perfect head coach for Kawhi, actually, in Doc Rivers. Management is great. It's a very well-run organization. They may have forfeited their draft picks, but, I mean, if Kawhi's there for five, six more years, they're not going to be relying heavily on draft picks in the first place. There is other ways for contenders to build their teams, especially when you have a guy like Kawhi already on the roster. I think this Paul George-Kawhi pairing lasts for at least a few seasons. So, next fact or fiction, Zion becomes the face of the league. I think, he, I think it really depends a tough what you mean by face of the league. Because... Who who would you say the face of the league is right now? LeBron. You'd still say it's, it's LeBron, been LeBron since two thousand five. Exactly. I I think that he could be like that Steph Curry next up guy, but I think that it's going to be someone like Kawhi or Giannis who comes in after LeBron. Really I don't think it can ever torch. be Kawhi just because he has no pers- public yeah, persona. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's true. the thing. You need to be a brand. LeBron is a brand. He's polarizing. He's controversial. And other guys that are great players as well, like Giannis, like Kawhi, they're just not—they're not household names because even though they're great players, they're not as polarizing. And I think Zion is a polarizing guy. You saw him at Duke; he was a huge brand. He is a household name. Zion just rubs off the tongue so easily. And even if he's not the best out of all this—all these young players, John ja Morant, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum—I still think if Zion stays healthy and he continues to get better, I do think he'll be the face of the league. I really think he's that number two. I think I don't think he can be the number one face of the league, whether it be a guy who comes up in the next few years to take the torch from LeBron because LeBron still has a few years. Uh, Steph Curry was a guy that you could argue was the face of the league for a four, three, four-year run when he was at his peak. Or, or I mean, he's still playing at a very high-quality basketball, but when he won those two MVPs, I think Zion could be that same type of guy where he is going to be that secondary face of the league, but he's just not going to be that number one because I don't think he's as polarizing. I don't think he has as big of a brand really as Giannis does, and I don't think he's going to have as big of a brand as the next great persona in the NBA. It really went from MJ to Kobe to LeBron and I don't think that Zion is the next guy. I think he might be as talented, and I think he might be one of the best players in the NBA, but I don't think that he's going to be that next persona. I disagree. I don't. All I right, so here's my deal. Sorry. Here's my deal with Zion. Like you said, Sean, Zion's got the brand going for him. I mean, at Duke, he was already a household name. He does very well with the media. You know, he's a he's a very charismatic guy. Do I like the brand that he has? No, I actually don't. I prefer a guy like a D Rose or a Kawhi or, you know, there's multiple other guys like that that just kind of keep it real. I don't need the guy who's so charismatic and just kind of plays himself up to the media all the time. I see it kind of as fake and just kind of a geese that Zion puts on. I mean, which is his right. I mean, he's doing what he needs to do with the media to build his brand to the highest level and, you know, give himself the best opportunities that he can have. So I have no problem with that. It's just not my kind of guy, but it will go over very well with the public over the next five to ten years. 
I think the thing that's going to limit Zion from being the face of the league is his game, honestly. I recognize that he's a very good player, and I was wrong about him coming into the league. I thought he was going to I thought he was going to be a complete bust. It's obvious he can play. But I think his ceiling is probably, you know, a multi-time all-star who puts up some highlight reel plays. The athleticism will probably fade fairly quickly cuz He's just a very big guy. I think he'll probably have some injury struggles, but his game is more than the athleticism. I don't ever envision him, though, being an MVP caliber, you know, best player on a championship team player. I just don't see that in his game. So I think that is what's going to limit him from being the face of the I actually disagree with a lot of the things you're saying. I mean, first of all, you prefer Derrick Rose and Kawhi Leonard, two guys that are completely lifeless, have such a dull personality. Because they keep it real. That's they just keep my it taste, real though. by just being completely bland. That's your. T- I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's that's not my taste. It's just my taste. I I said that I don't mind Zion's way. It's just I, not I think my thing. I think real is being honest with people, being honest with the media, saying how you feel. Those guys don't say how they feel. They don't talk. Um, but that's just. I mean, that's. I guess we just have contrasting taste when it comes to our basketball players and our public figures. And then on the other hand, I, I think Zion will become the face of the league because he's already a household name from his play at Duke. And the way he plays basketball, it's just so unique. He's literally just an absolute freight train out there. He can dunk the basketball, which always has appeal for fans. Um, I think he can be a big, a big way to get out of this three-point era uh, where everyone's jacking up threes from 40 feet, which isn't necessarily – wrong but i think he can kind of present a different style of basketball and it it depends i mean we'll see if he stays in new orleans long term or if he goes to a place like la or a big market like that i think that could play a big role but i think with zion's brands and his personality and his, his the name he's already built for himself and just his game how, how ferocious of a player he is i, I certainly think he has as good of a chance as anyone in the next five years to kind of take LeBron's throne. No doubt he's got a chance. What you need to do as a – I agree with you, Sean, as well. Scott, we already know we have really differing, like, fandoms, differing opinions on sports. So I'm with Sean, too. I think that your face has to be a personality that has opinions. But I think what you really need to have to be the face is to be competitive, at least – At some point, LeBron really broke out onto the scene in 2007 when he led his team to the finals. MJ broke out when he was turned that Bulls team around. Kobe broke out when he was leading the Lakers with Shaq. That, I don't see Zion in New Orleans doing that. So if he does go to a different team. Yeah, exactly. If he does go to a different team and they can be competitive early, the thing is, is, I don't think he's going to captivate the NBA stardom early enough, and he's, I don't think he's going to be as successful as he needs to be early enough to be the face of the league. And that's really the biggest knock on why Zion won't be the NBA's face for the next 20 years. Factor fiction, KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn last more than two seasons. I'd say fact. Fiction. Oh, you go first, Ryan. Uh, I think it's fiction. Whether they last, I don't think they'll play for more than two seasons. Whether they last, I think they'll be injured. I don't think they'll play two seasons together. I think that they're too big of personalities 
Both of them jump teams like it's wildfire. Katie's been on three. Kyrie's been on three. It's all... I don't think it's the fit in Brooklyn, if I'm being completely honest. I think that Brooklyn built something very strong and very good that they had with D'Angelo Russell, Spencer mm. Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. And they could have been a five seed for the next eight years. <laughs> well, I think they could have built something. I think that they're, they were one or two picks or a free agent signing away, and I don't think that Kyrie and Kevin Durant really fit what the Nets what I really liked about the Nets. They already got Kenny Atkinson fired, who I thought was a very, very good head coach. Sean Marks in the front office I think is great. I think if there's a saving grace for this team, it's him. I I know you're a big fan of this Nets team, Scott. I'm just, I'm not. I think that they're going to be kind of like the 76ers are right now. They're going to be a 4 or a 5, maybe even like a 3-4-5 seed in the East. They're never going to be in Milwaukee. They're not going to be a Toronto. They're not going to be a Boston. Come on. They they're not going to be don't a Toronto. They, I, I just don't think that they will. I, I think it's going to be too hard for KD and Kyrie to play off the ball that much. I think it's going to be hard for them to really keep up that chemistry that the Nets had two seasons ago. What makes NBA teams great is the chemistry combined with talent. What the Nets had was chemistry two years ago. What they have now is a lot of talent. I don't think that they have the chemistry. And if I'm picking one thing, chemistry or talent, I'm going to take the chemistry every single time. But you really need both to win championships, and I I don't think that the Nets have that. And I think that Kyrie and Kevin Durant will get frustrated after the first season or two where they just don't see the success that they were looking for. And I think that one of them will leave. I disagree oh. with Ryan. I think this is a fact. I think... KD and Kyrie, you mentioned they've already been on three teams each. And when you look at legacies, it's the same thing with Kawhi. You have to eventually stick with one team. You have to be known for one team. And both these guys took their pick on the team they wanted to go to. It was Brooklyn. Both these guys want to play basketball. They don't want to deal with nonsense. They don't want to be spewing with other people anymore. They just want to play ball. And I think both of them are a little outlandish personality-wise, but... The problem, I mean, the good thing is, is that they both have similar personalities. They're both a little polarizing, and so they're going to work with each other. And um, I just don't see these guys, two guys that care about their legacy long term, especially KD. He finally chose a place he wants to play. I mean, he chose Golden State, but I think that was more of a ring-based move. I think he's happy in Brooklyn. He's going to be happy in Brooklyn. Both of those guys will be, and they're just going to be balling with each other for the next five years or so. All right, my Ryan, biggest, my biggest gripe isn't with KD, it's with Kyrie. I don't think Kyrie mm-hmm. is bought into winning. We saw it with Boston. He didn't fit into the chemistry there. They had a great thing going with Brad Stevens. Kyrie kind of ruined that. And luckily for Boston, Danny Ainge stuck with Brad Stevens over Kyrie. The Nets didn't do that. The Nets stuck with Kyrie over Kenny Atkinson. I don't think it will work. Sorry to cut you off, Scott. You can go ahead. Right, right. Tell me, what is the goal in the NBA as a basketball team? Win championships. Yes. A team of D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis LeVert, as nice of a regular season team as they are, and, you know, as exciting as they are, a team with not really a real superstar winning some games, that's fun, and that's nice. There's always room, there's always room for teams like that in the NBA, but that's not going to win you a championship. I'm sorry. It's just I don't think this not. core will either, though. The, but that's the listen. Thing. Okay, that that's just you can't just say that that this is not a championship caliber core. 
First of all, Kevin Durant is a bad man, two-time finals MVP, and you can write that off by saying that he won it with the Warriors, whatever, but the reality is he was the best player on the floor in both finals that he won. He led the Thunder to an NBA Finals as a very young player against the Miami Heat. Kevin Durant can absolutely play. He's one of the best offensive players of the generation. Now, Kyrie Irving, you can write him off, say he doesn't bind to winning, whatnot, but that's just the one year that we saw him in Boston. It didn't go well. It wasn't a good fit. In Cleveland, Kyrie totally bought in. He was the perfect sidekick to LeBron, and you could argue that the Cavs don't win that championship without Kyrie Irving. He made a lot of big plays and played great in that series. So I think Kyrie Irving is absolutely a winner and a guy you can win a finals with. And as well, far I... as far as how the two mesh playing style-wise, they mesh perfectly. It's just kind of like the LeBron-Kyrie duo, except KD is going to bring a little bit of a different edge offensively. And as far as their personalities, yeah, that is a concern. Both of these guys are a little flaky, but the good part is they're both flaky in the same way, you know? They kind of have that same personality. They're really earthy. You know, they want to keep it real. It's about more than basketball to them. They both care about their legacies. And they've consciously made the decision to pair up together and play in Brooklyn. And as far as the Kenny Atkinson thing goes, when you have two star players, it is so important, like above all else, that you get them a coach that they want. Kenny Atkinson was a very good developmental coach for the Nets. He will get a job elsewhere and he will develop another team. But this team is in win-now mode, and they need a coach with championship experience, and that's what they're going to get. So, like, I liked all the moves that Brooklyn was making prior to them coming, but they made the smart move by seizing the opportunity and being able to compete right now. All right, I have some responses to that. First off, Kevin Durant's titles and Kevin Durant's success. I think he just, I'm not knocking, I think he, he was the best player on that Golden State team. He was the most important player in those finals. But he had more significant help around him when he was in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, with James Harden. He had more success around him when he was in Golden State with Steph Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Draymond Green. He doesn't have that same type of help in Brooklyn. I don't no, think Kyrie is that guy. Then you look. Then you look. Then you look at Kyrie... If he was such a great player in Cleveland, why did they trade him for Isaiah Thomas? Because he wanted out. He wanted out. Because he was toxic over the last year that he was in Cleveland. He And he's been toxic ever since. He's been toxic to the culture, been toxic to the fan base, and both of these guys are injury prone. But at a Has he been point, that way in Brooklyn? At a certain point, it has to stop. At a certain point, he can't just be toxic everywhere. Like At a certain point, he has to choose his place. Some people are toxic. Down. I don't think he hasn't been gonna, in Brooklyn. I don't think he's going to be, you know, just jumping all around the NBA forever. I think he finally he was traded to the Celtics. He he wasn't. I mean, he was drafted by the Cavs, traded to the Celtics. He wanted this to go there. The he could have gone to any team he wanted. He wanted to go to the Celtics. He couldn't because the and Cavs, it didn't work the out. Cavs traded him. This was the first time where he chose his team. So did KD. KD chose the Golden State Warriors the first time because he wanted rings, and you could see why it didn't work out. Now they both chose a place. They chose to play with each other. Two similar personalities. I think it's going to work out fine. I just disagree. I don't like this. I just don't like this Nets team. The way you win championships is you build from the ground up. The no, Raptors did it. 
The Raptors did no, it. Not. The Warriors did it. No, they did didn't. Like, no, they didn't. They it. traded for Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> the the way you win championships is you find like-minded guys who can all buy in and compete for the same goal. And the Nets did that. The reality of the NBA these days, and it's part of my disliking for it, you buy your team. Can we be honest? The Heat, the Lakers... All these teams, I mean, the Lakers were probably going to win the title this year. They still might if the season gets resumed. But the Lakers didn't build from the ground up. They bought LeBron and AD. Yeah. And the <laughs> Raptors bought Kawhi. Exactly. They, the, there's a difference between buying for and trading for. The Raptors traded for Kawhi in a mutually beneficial deal for both them and the Spurs. Not mutually beneficial. Well, well, Kawhi, Kawhi wanted to go, so they traded away that. They didn't sign, they didn't pluck guys out. And I, I'm not saying I'm against free agency, but when is the last time that we've seen a team be successful off of free agency? It's the Miami Heat. And even they disappointed. They were the Warriors? promising. They didn't build that team off free agency. The Warriors would have won Steph, all those titles Steph Curry, They would have won maybe one more. Steph Curry was, Steph Curry was drafted there. They had Draymond Green was drafted there. Clay Thompson was drafted Spencer there. Dinwiddie was... Well, actually, I don't think Dinwiddie was drafted by the Nets. But he went to the Nets as a young player. They drafted LeVert. You know, the Nets have pieces that they've built. Their whole core, besides the two stars, is you're all guys that they have brought You're trying to compare these guys to Steph Curry. And you're trying to compare these guys to No, Clay I'm comparing Thompson. Kyrie to Steph Curry, actually. Kyrie is not Steph Curry. He's not, he's but not he's a, a comparable chance. he's a comparable sidekick for Kevin Durant. I I don't think that Kyrie thinks of himself as a sidekick. He obviously does. <laughs> I mean, he obviously does. If you think Kyrie's going to give up the ball to Kevin Durant okay, well, he agreed and to be play okay with, with that for a full season, with, those two agreed to play with each other. He knows how great KD is. He knows KD's an alpha, and yet Kyrie yeah. chose to play with him. He wasn't traded there. He chose to play in Brooklyn. You're, There's a diff- you're trying Scotty, to make it seem like Kyrie Pippen is just... went com- to go play with Barkley, and they clashed immediately. Sometimes people make mistakes, and this is another mistake. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It, it wasn't, but we can agree to disagree. You'll be proved wrong when Brooklyn's in the finals next year. Fact or fiction, sure. LeBron wins a title in L.A. Fact. LeBron and AD... LeBron and AD are two of the biggest physical specimens the sport, the modern day sport has ever seen. I mean, those two guys like define this era. They define the argument that athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. And to have those two on the same team is pretty unfair. And I think they've done a decent job building pieces around those two guys. A lot of veterans on this team. I think the Lakers certainly take a hit if this season does get canceled, which most people seem to think it, it will not be. I think they could win the title this year. I think they're the favorites if the season comes back. And I think they're the yes. favorites for next year as well. LeBron has a timer on him. He has maybe three years left in his prime. And I think I've, one of those three years. We've with been the saying help of that Anthony for five Davis, years, though. Okay. With the help well, of Anthony Davis, I think they get it done. I think it's fiction. Actually, no. I'm going to predicate it on this. If this season finishes, it's fact. I think the Lakers are the best team in the league this season. Simply because LeBron has somehow made himself into still just a great player. It's not the same as he was. I mean, his play style has changed, but he's still a great player and absolutely able to be the best player on a championship team, although he seems to be wanting to defer to AD. But I think if this season doesn't finish, 
that's their chance. Because even though we've been writing LeBron off, I haven't personally, but his athleticism can only last for so long. It's already IQ, declining. Though. The IQ. It's the it, same I know, thing no, I completely yeah. agree, Sean. I completely agree, Sean. But, you know, the athleticism, which is such a big part of LeBron's game, can only last for so long. It's already taken a dip. I think it takes another dip next year. And by that time, I think the Clippers overtake them by just a hair. I think Kawhi is a very similar player to LeBron. And, you know, if you want to give me 29-year-old Kawhi or year 18 LeBron James, I'm probably going to take 29-year-old Kawhi. Also, I just don't really, I'm not a big fan of the team the Lakers have built around LeBron. I think one of the big keys of the LeBron teams in the past that have kind of done this similar thing of just getting, you know, minimum contract veterans put around LeBron is that it's all been guys who have been in winning situations before. And on this Lakers team, with the exception of Danny Green, who they are way overpaying, in my opinion, it's not a lot of guys who have been big winners in their career. So I'm not a huge fan of their core, although that will probably change completely next year. I mean, they're they're you know their bench and their supporting pieces. So it's hard. It's a hard decision because LeBron's still going to be great, but I think Kawhi overtakes him if if the Lakers don't get to play this season. I. I'm on I'm on the fence as well with you, Scott. I think this is a lot harder than the Kawhi one. I think Kawhi is much more sure of a lock. I think LeBron will win another one. I think it's fact. Just because I'm never going to count out LeBron. People have counted out LeBron before, and he's proved them wrong time after time after time again. And I think that LeBron can do it again. Scott, uh, Sean, you mentioned that LeBron maybe has three years left. We've been saying that ever since he left Miami that he has three years left. He's he he'll have three years left till the sun's bur- till the sun burns out. He'll I I think LeBron is still that guy who can lead a team to the championship. Right now, it feels harder than it did when he was in Cleveland, just because. The East, the the East wasn't as difficult then as the West is now. So I think that nowadays in the West he'll have a much harder path. But I still want. I I still think that LeBron is going to win another championship. I think there's three. I think there's three major teams that in the short term I'm talking next two years, which I think is LeBron's window if he can be the best player on the team and lead them to a title. I'm not saying that LeBron only has two years left in the league. I'm not saying that at all. But Stop doubting LeBron, man. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> doubting him. But, I mean, the athleticism can only last for so long. That's a fact. I mean, it happened to the best of them. It, it, yeah. it will continue to happen. The athleticism the hasn't been as great these past couple of years, but he still has IQ. No. He's became a better shooter. No, I totally agree. He has great I, I totally agree, yeah. but that's just I, it's just a big part of his game. There's no denying There's it. No I'm denying. sorry. I won't, I won't concede that point. I still think he's a great player, even while the athleticism starts to run out. Um, yes, and yes, I agree. Just, but if he wants to be the best player on the yeah. team and win the finals, I think that's a two-year window. And the teams that stand in his way, in my opinion, are the Clippers, the Rockets, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Raptors. And, you know, I think all of those teams are very capable of beating him. It just depends on how well they can mesh. And it's also going to depend on how well the Lakers can mesh. It's a lot of new cores and new teams assembled in the NBA right now. So it's just a really hard thing to judge because 
you know, in 2020, we kind of got a huge turning point in terms of rosters in the NBA. Can I add one team to your list? The Golden State Warriors. And I think that's a big reason. I think that's a big reason why LeBron and the Lakers really hope this season comes back because the Warriors are eliminated already this season. And I tend to think, a lot of people don't agree with this, but I tend to think the Warriors, as soon as Steph and Clay are back next season, are instant title contenders once again. And not a great matchup for LeBron with Draymond and Clay. And we've already seen that. I mean, the Warriors have already kind of had LeBron's number. And so I think LeBron's kind of hoping the West is weak this year. It's just the Clippers, no other team, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Jazz. Nah, they're not going to be able to compete with the Lakers this year. I think it's literally just the Clippers in the West. Next year, it's the Clippers and the Warriors and any other team that can be able to improve to get up to that standard. But I think that's a big reason why LeBron wants this season back. Fact or fiction, James Harden makes a finals appearance. Fiction. I think he had his chance with uh, that Chris Paul injury in Game 6. It, he, they were there. The, the Rockets were there. I think that James Harden might be the modern-day Steve Nash. As much as I love Steve Nash, I, I think that James Harden might get trapped by the Mike D'Antoni curse of the regular season head coach and I just don't think that James Harden, unless something drastic happens where he leaves Houston or where a big big free agent comes. Yeah, I I do too. I I do too. Unless someone big comes to Houston or he leaves, I don't think that he's going to be able to get it done with the Rockets, at least not as the first option. Yeah, I love James Harden. He's one of the best players in the league. He's going to be one of the greatest shooting guards of all time. But he's... I don't think he makes the finals. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. It's a tragedy that he hasn't made a finals yet. Or he, he played in one with the Thunder. He hasn't won a finals yet. It's a tragedy because he was on a great Thunder team with so much talent. And then the Rockets team, I think two years in a row, they could have beaten the Warriors. And they had the Warriors number, and they just got kind of unlucky. And I think they totally... Could have beaten the Spurs the year before that, yeah, too. He's had multiple chances. I think they totally would have won the, won the title that that year that Chris Paul ended up pulling his hamstring and the Warriors ended up getting the title that year. I think I think the Warriors were definitely, I mean, sorry, the Rockets were definitely set to get it that year. But uh, I think the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors coming back, I think there's just too much competition in the West. And I just don't really like the Rockets, uh, what they've been doing, what Daryl Moore has been doing with that roster. I mean, trading Chris Paul. He, he's, he does everything. Yeah, trading Chris <laughs> Paul for... Russell, or like, you know, getting rid of Chris Paul, adding Russell Westbrook. We've seen how great Chris Paul still is this year, and I think that's a better fit with James Harden. It makes for a great backcourt. And now you have the sporadic Russell Westbrook, who's never great in the playoffs. I just don't really see that working out. I don't see that overcoming the Warriors and the Lakers and the Clippers and all these great teams in the West. So I, I don't really believe that unless, like Ryan mentioned, they add a great piece or they really just overcome, they, they change their roster or and make James Harden the number two, I don't see them making a finals. I agree, Sean. Um, I don't think James Harden makes the finals as option one. And I actually do like this Russell Westbrook tandem, but in my opinion, they're just, as of right now, as presently constructed, they are a clear step behind both the Clippers and the Lakers in the Western Conference. So, you know, it's going to be really hard for them to just to be either one of those two teams, potentially have to beat both. That would be insanely hard. But 
I'm going to say it's fact that James Harden makes a finals appearance, but it's going to be a completely hypothetical situation because I think James Harden in, you know, four to five years can transform into one of the like elite six man players in the league, much like he was in Houston, kind of an older James Harden accepting a lesser role on a championship team, whether that's in Houston, whether that's elsewhere. I think James Harden just kind of has that game where he can adapt to another role very easily. It's going to be hard for him because he loves taking those shots. He loves being that guy that can just do everything all game, every game. But I do think his game, if he can accept it, adapts very well, and he can be a big piece on a championship team. I I think you're talking about him as some sort of mellow or Allen Iverson type of guy late in their careers. And the thing about those guys is that they didn't make it to the finals. So, I I think that you might be right. I'm envisioning more of a Mark Aguirre. Okay, I I mean, you're... (laughs) I I disagree. I think think that his game fits more of, like, that type of mellow AI type of guy. At least his personality does. And, And I don't think that he'll... I, I just don't think that his teams will be able to carry him to a finals. If the question is, is James Harden ever going to be a one or two option on a finals team? The answer is no. One more yeah, point agree. One more point to add to this conversation. I think if you are to make the argument that James Harden can make a finals the rest of his career, I think it helps that there's not really a, a true dynasty anymore. The Warriors were a dynasty I don't really think the Lakers are a dynasty. I think they're too short-term of a situation. I think the Clippers are, they're not great enough. They're not good enough yet to be a dynasty, and that could be short-term as well. So I think every single year we could see, see, we could be seeing different teams in the finals, and we don't really see like the Warriors in the finals every year, the Cavs in the finals every year. I think it's a new NBA now, and I think that could favor the Rockets. So we're approaching one hour with our show, so we'll go ahead and wind it down here. It's been a good show today. We had some great news to talk about. We had some great NBA talk at the end. And as always, thank you for listening and have a blessed day.